Wow, what a been a while since we've had a choir up here. Great to see many participating, and really, it's what we're on about as a church: about getting people involved, about you discovering purpose and making a difference. You know right through the week, but especially here at church each week, by sharing your gifts and uh, seeing the young ones and older ones all together, praising God. What a great church we have. But what makes it great is not the people. It's who we come to recognize today. And we've come to recognize Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who gave up everything to become a man was born the first time, lived the perfect life, died a death that he didn't deserve, died a death that we deserve because we're sinners, he's not, but he did it for us. And because he was victorious, he resurrected, and he's now in heaven representing you and me before God. He's the bridge. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's why we exist as a church, to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. And the reason we have a loving relationship with Jesus is because he loved us first. We respond to that love. And today, we call it Commitment Day. And Commitment Day is an opportunity for everyone to think about how I can be more committed How can I actually allow Jesus to make a difference in my life? It's one thing to go through the motions. It's one thing to, um, you know, come to church. But is it really making a difference in your life? Are you becoming a better person? Are you relying on him to help you through those ups and downs, especially the downs and the challenges you face in your day-to-day life? Whether it's at work, maybe it's with family, Maybe it's with neighbors. Maybe it's with colleagues. You know, we all have people challenges. And today we're going to be looking, starting in the book of Acts, because after Jesus finished that ministry and he was resurrected, after about 40 uh, days on this earth and hundreds of people seeing the resurrected Jesus, he went back to heaven. And he left and he made a promise as he went up in the clouds that he was coming back in the clouds in the same way he left And the disciples went away from that a bit sad. They'd seen him die. They had him back, and now he's gone again. What do we do? Wow, they might kill us now. And they were in the upper room. In the upper room, they just prayed. They surrendered. They realized how wrong they had gotten it. Throughout three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, those words of Jesus would have started echoing and starting to make sense finally. He's not going to become a king on this earth. He's going to become a king that has to sacrifice his life. And before he rules as king on this earth, he has to go away and leave us with a job to do. And that is to spread the good news. And as we bring up The first text that I want to share with you, um, that's not the, I 
me with. Oh, I had a different verse. But what I want to share with you in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And there it tells us that if we believe, we repent and believe that we will be saved. And then we were to take this gospel message to the whole world, to Jerusalem, to Judea, and to the whole world. And that's what Jesus left us to do. Oh, there is one. Thank you. So here, you don't get to know the time. The timing is a father's business. Now, just pause there for a moment. You know, in the last year and a half, you know, there's been lots of predictions made. People think the world's coming to an end. And listen, it will come to an end. I don't know when, but that doesn't really matter. What matters is that we know Jesus Christ every day because for any of us, our life could end tomorrow, and he's come for us then. So it's nothing to panic about. We're just ready every day by surrendering to him. What you will get is the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about that a lot this year, about being filled with the Spirit. This is how Jesus lived the perfect life. He didn't do it because he was human. He did it because he relied on the Heavenly um, Father through the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes to, on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And I want to I just think about that for ourselves. You know, how are we going to continue to be those witnesses now in the rain, in the Gold Coast, in Queensland, throughout Australia, and to the ends of the earth? And we all play part in that. We all have a role to play. And it won't happen unless we're all doing that. And you think, well, what do I have to do with something on the other side of the world I'm not a missionary. Well, that's, that's all part of us being part of a body of Christ, of church, where we are generous, where we show commitment by giving in our tithes and our offerings because we help fund the work around the world. We're part of a worldwide church, a worldwide movement. And I like the word movement more than church because we're moved by the Spirit. And we've got to remain open to the Spirit's leading and to remain teachable and humble and surrender to him daily. And as we do that, we'll grow. And as you get into Acts chapter 2, this is the day of Pentecost, and this is when the church just took off. Because as, as these disciples, as I mentioned earlier, were in that upper room, and they didn't know what to do, they were a bit scared, and then they prayed, and the Holy Spirit filled them. And then they suddenly went out into Jerusalem, and they began to preach the gospel boldly. And um, God used it in a mighty powerful way by allowing the gift of tongues to happen. And people, they were there for Passover from all different countries, all different languages. People heard the gospel in their own language because God gave them the spiritual gift of tongues. And over 3,000 were baptized in one day. Now that's some good church growth, huh? I mean, we're, we're a church, we get attendance maybe about 300 on a good day, we have about 400 members, so you're looking at a church, you know, maybe up to about 10 times the size of us in one day. And I thought about this, you know, the, the actual logistics of managing that, because, um, you know, ask any of our leaders in guest services or, you know, in um, worship, uh, you know, the, 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 the work that goes in. To, to church, to make it happen, the work to go into, and the ultimate goal was to spread the gospel and to work together. 
But, you know, just like today, there's challenges. But when those disciples let the Holy Spirit fill them, and the Holy Spirit worked there on the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church happened, and the church began. And the church has continued to grow, and it continues to grow, and it has its ups and downs. But right now, today, in 2021, we continue to fulfill this call that God's given us, and that is to spread the good news. And see, we need faith, important ingredient. Faith is believing in what we cannot see, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we can't see. We need faith, but we also need wisdom. You know, the Bible promises to give us wisdom. James 1.5, he says that if we ask, he will give it to us. So we need faith, we need wisdom, and we need the Holy Spirit. And so today, my hope and prayer is that not only today that we will receive the Holy Spirit, but there will be a fulfilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. And I want to go into a story. And this, this story really points out how important it is that we put God in the right place. And this actually goes back to the very first commandment. And the first commandment of the Ten Commandments says, You shall have no other gods before me. Which is very related to the second commandment, that you shouldn't bow down to, to images and idols. But, you know, what are our idols? What are the things that we put before God? Think about it. The most common thing is possessions, money. The subject that Jesus talked about more than any other subject. Because he knew that this is the downfall for many. Because they begin to see their possessions as having, where they look for security. Where they look for their identity. But we all know that's only temporary. God offers us something. He's the giver of all things. And so my challenge really today is for us to make sure as Christians, and if you're not a Christian today, I would encourage you to look into it because Jesus says, hey, I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you streets of gold to walk on. You know, what we have on this earth is only temporary. It's not going to fulfill you. It's not going to give you happiness. It's not going to give you joy. And I want to challenge you to, to think about what is number one in my life? Because money, money looks good, you know? It, um, it can be very easy to get sucked up into that. But the Bible tells us that the last will be first and the first will be last. So whether it's that or maybe you just want to be number one in whatever career you're in or maybe you're into sports and I'm going to win this game at all cost. Or maybe you want to do well in school and you're struggling and you're tempted to maybe cut some corners, maybe steal some uh, material that's not yours or maybe cheat in some way. You know, these are the, the temptations that come our way and it's easy to get sucked in. And God says, hey, I want better for you. I want you as Christians to be people of integrity, people of character, people who are filled with my spirit. And people will see that. And they'll be drawn. 
And if we want to draw our community in a loving relationship with Jesus, we've got to be in that loving relationship ourselves. Now, again, uh, and I'll touch on this a few times, I'm not, I'm not preaching today that somehow we've got to be perfect. We can't be perfect. But the moment you come to Jesus Christ, you're justified, you're saved, and you begin living your life because you are saved. And yes, I might make a mistake today, but again, I have another day tomorrow, and I ask for forgiveness. And the number one thing that Jesus tells us to get salvation is we must repent, and he says you must be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And so today I want you to really think about what are you putting number one in your life? Are you really seeking God? If not, it just requires one shift. Okay? All I'm asking, I'm not asking you what, what things you can give up or what things you can do. I'm asking you just to shift one thing, and that's God at the top. Okay? It might be a few steps up. But you just look within yourself, examine yourself today. Where is God in your priority list? And I want to challenge you to do whatever it takes to put Him first. Because everything else. If it comes below that, will work out better. You see, so many of us live our Christian lives, you know, with our list of things that we do and don't do. And if we put God first, those things will come. They will naturally fall into place. If we're daily seeking God to grow us as Christians, to help us to be filled with the Spirit in our life, to produce the fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, these are the things that God wants us as Christians to, to, to produce in our lives, this fruit. That's what will happen if we make that decision. To put God first. In Luke 18, we have a story. Go to the next. I'm not sure how I. There we go. I'm looking for Luke 8, not 18. Here in Luke 8, we have a story. Now, in Luke, in Acts, did I say Luke? Okay. You know what that tells me? I'm going to stop and pray, okay? Dear God, we just really want to hear your word. We want your spirit to speak to each of our hearts. And Lord, I need the right words to say. And so may the words of my mouth be the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here is in Luke 8, we have a story. I was just testing you. Now here in Acts chapter 8, and in Acts is the birthday of the church. And so in Acts 2, we have the day of Pentecost, and you see the church growing. And listen, one of the challenges they had was trying to keep up with it and somehow get some organization and get some, something happening where, where they're able to efficiently spread the gospel. And you know what the biggest challenges were? And if we read through Acts, if you read through the book, you find that there was lots of people issues. But people always started 
by serving. And Philip, here this story in Acts 1 begins, and I'll just read through the story, and then I want to comment on a few things. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, uh, of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. So he, here we have a few things I want to point out. First, you know, Philip was seeking God. He, he actually was praying. And this is where we as Christians, I want to challenge us every day to be praying that God will give us opportunities. He'll lead us. You know, maybe maybe we'll be held up in traffic, but look at it as an opportunity because somehow God's going to time it so you get to the right person at the right time where he's going to use you to somehow share the gospel. Now, it might not be preaching at him. It just might be simply doing a nice deed or saying an encouraging word. But God wants to use every one of us every single day. And here, Philip had been praying, and he and it says God tells him which way to go. And so when he gets down there and he, he runs in, you know, is it a surprise that he runs into this uh, eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch, reading Scripture? Well, is that just coincidence? No, I think that's God's leading. There's no doubt of why he's ran into this man. Now, a couple of things I point out about this is that when it says um, Ethiopia, well, that's not the Ethiopia that we kind of know today. It's basically south of Egypt. Um, and um, most likely it was people with very dark skin um, in Ethiopia. And a eunuch, you know, that's kind of a label. Eunuchs were usually castrated, but um, as I studied up on this, this eunuch, it might have just been a title, but um, he could have been castrated. That was a, a painful thing to think about. Um, but under the authority of Candace, the queen. Now, again, Candace is not the queen's name. This is a title. This is a title like Pharaoh in Egypt was a title. Um, and the queen of Ethiopians who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. So here this guy was coming. He had obviously heard about Jesus. He, 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 he was seeking and he had come to Jerusalem because this is like, this is where it all happened. And this is the place where he can find out more. In other words, the Holy Spirit was already working on his heart. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts people. And sometimes we get a bit stuck thinking we've got to do it. And we don't. God will give you the right words to say at the right time. I and mean, it's not your uh, job to sit there and prove things. It's simply to listen and to share and uh, the most powerful thing you can do is just share how God's worked in your life to lead you to where you are. Most of us can say the reason we're here today is because God's been leading. Otherwise, you'd probably be out there in the world doing something else on this Saturday instead of being here. You know? But you're here because, you know, this, this, is, this is what you think is going to help you. And, and I certainly would enforce that. And so he was sitting there reading from Isaiah. And, um, and then the spirit said to Philip, go near and take overtake the chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. So here now God gives him this opportunity, leads him. Uh, uh, and, and these two had a, 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 a encounter. And 
Philip guides him. He really teaches him. He guides him, helps him understand what he's reading. Here's what he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And the scripture came earlier. I won't go back to it. But basically, the book of Isaiah actually prophesies that, that, that eunuchs would actually be coming to, to accept Jesus and follow the Sabbaths and stuff. And so, you know, that's, that's interesting in the same book of Isaiah from the prophet that he was reading. But here's what he was reading, which is very profound. He says, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent, he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Wow. This is what Philip explained to him. And you can see how he, he to make him understand that, what did he have to explain? The gospel. And so again, I ask you, if someone really wants to know what Christianity is about, do you know how you'll explain it? And um, I'm not going to take time today, but again, the growth track can help you with that. But find a way that you can find a way to just, in a natural way, share what Jesus means to you. That's the most powerful way. And it's really showing that God's changed your life, that you have to recognize that you're a, a sinner, you repent of that, and you come to Christ, and you explain that Jesus, who is the Lamb of God. He came and he ultimately shed his blood and um, his body was broken for us. And so we read on, and so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. And now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So obviously he knew what baptism meant. And baptism, again, is a very important thing as a Christian. It's not something that you can say, oh, I might get baptized or I might not. If you're serious about following Jesus, if you're serious about being a disciple of him, um, it's not an option really to be baptized. It's an obligation. God says, hey, this is something you're to do. I'm going to touch on that a little bit more as we continue. And then Acts 8.27, and if you have your Bibles, I challenge you to open up to that, Acts 27. Because um, some of you will get a bit of a surprise there. Uh, if you have anything other than the King James or the New King James, you'll say, well, mine skips that. It goes from verses 26 to 28. Have a look. If you, uh, so all the n- newer translations get rid of this because it's nothing too, um, too profound. But basically, they, in the oldest transcripts, this verse they think could have been added, thinking it maybe needed to be added. So nothing wrong with what it says, but it's interesting that the newer uh, translations other than the King James and the New King James have deleted this. And and you'll see in a footnote in your Bible, it'll probably tell you about that. But here's what it says. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I mean, and and that's true. I think as Christians, we believe, yeah, that's an important step. But uh, it, uh, I think some of, it could have been that some of the earlier translators felt that that needed to be in there. And as we read on, and so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, and and that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Wow, what an exciting occasion. Now another thing I want to point out, I've got underlined there, that they went down in the water and they came up out of the water. It was very important that this... um, 
Baptism is done by immersion, and we believe that this is the way it should be done. Now, there are exceptions. There are people that sometimes are not able to go down the water. Listen, um, but if, if possible, this is the way it should be, because it, it represents Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's, it's about being born again. What was wrong with our first birth? We were born sinners. We need to be spiritually born again in Christ. And um, this is uh, the exciting bit of this story as we see that this eunuch was baptized. And so today, as we kind of um, come to our commitment time in today's service, and today we've called Commitment Day, and listen, a lot of people have made commitments, and um, those commitments uh, are not all going to happen today. It's a bit of a process. Um, it's uh, only a first step. I want to I say a prerequisite, a preamble, I guess, to what goes from here. As Lockie and I have talked and prayed and we've met with our leadership team and, you know, we've looked at different people who have made decisions. I know there's people sitting in this church here today who maybe have made decisions, have had a desire to get baptized, and some reason it was not followed up on. And I just want to apologize to you, and it could have been me. You know, as, as a human being, sometimes, you know, people get caught up. Sometimes I've been too... Um, slow at following up people when the Spirit's moving. And so even if you're a younger person or an older person, I just want to say to you, Lockie and I are committed to doing whatever we can to stop this from happening and also to help those people who really want to get baptized and make it happen as soon as possible. We as a church, you know, have, have taken too long having to go through 28 fundamental beliefs, study the Bible inside out before people can just simply say, I repent of my sins and I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, as a church and as a pastor, when I baptize some, someone, they, they accept Jesus Christ and, and, and new birth and new life in Him. But they also do become a member of a church. So I certainly think it's important for them to at least understand the basics of what we believe. But I think we can do that fairly fast. And of course, it's only the beginning. It's not the end. You've got a lifetime of studying and learning the Bible and growing. And so, again, I just apologize if you have been looked over, or if you feel like you had this desire and you've lost it, I just would really encourage you to go to your knees and to, again, ask God to allow you to forgive me or whoever else it might have been that let you down, okay? Because I'm sorry. I know I've let people down. But I'm only human, and we're all only human, and we can only, you know, just like in, in, in Philip and, and those days when that church was growing, they, they had issues they had to work through. But, you know, before Philip was used by God in a mighty way, you know what he was doing? He was waiting on tables. You know, he was being guest services. And I just want to raise a big um, thank you to all those people who have been serving in this church and helping things to happen. Because that's where it starts. And God might continue to use you in guest service, or that might be a springboard to something greater ministry. But whatever it is, God uses all of us as we work together as the body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And I just want to say how proud I am of the people of this church. Because I think, especially speaking for the leadership and the board, I think the number one thing is the number one thing in this church, and that is the gospel. Okay? The number one thing is the gospel. And sure, we have lots of great teachings and a lot of great truths and a lot of great prophecies to study, and all those things are beautiful, but it all points back to one thing, and that's the gospel, because the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. From the time sin came, all the Old Testament was pointing forward to a Savior that one day would come. And He has come, and He died. 
And he suffered greatly, and he did it because he loves you and he loves me. And I thank him for that. And I want to respond to it, and I hope you do too. And so today, we're going to give everybody a chance to make commitments. And I hope that it will be a, a commitment you'll take serious. And it doesn't mean that suddenly you're going to be a new person tomorrow. It's a step. Again, it's, it's making that decision, and you need to make it daily, and that's to shift God first. Because what you'll find out, you make that decision today, in a week's time, you'll find he's moved down the ladder. And that's why the daily surrender is so important. Surrendering to self, realizing I don't know it all. You know, this is one of my problems. You know, I somehow think that I want to control everything. I know it all. And I want, to, I want to make the decisions. And it's not natural for me to always just surrender and say, Lord, I know nothing. Without you, I'm, I'm lost. I'm a failure. And with him and who we are through Christ, then he can start using us like he did Philip and like he did many of the others uh, Paul and Silas and all those in, the, in, in Acts that really began the movement of the church that continues now thousands of years later, over 2,000 years later. So here when it tells us in Mark 16, 16, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. You know, this is what we want to do. We want you to believe and to be saved. And, of course, to do that, we also repent. Because part of believing is actually recognizing that we are sinners. And that's why we need a Savior. And anyone who refuses to leave will be condemned. Um, this, is, this is quite a strong words. And, um, again, in Acts 2.38, it says... Here Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this doesn't mean you didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit before, but what this means, you, you get a special infilling of the Holy Spirit where he starts to change you, he starts to transform you into a person that's unholy to a person that's holy. And that doesn't happen overnight, it's a process. But... You know, the Holy Spirit is what brings us to Christ in the first, time, first place. And then, oh, what I wanted to point out is, um, as I'm kind of wrapping this up, is, is the thief, when Jesus sacrificed, there's two thieves. And one thief basically mocked Jesus and, you know, said, Oh, if you're the Son of God, get us down from here. But he wasn't um, really surrendering and accepting who Jesus was. But the other thief there on the cross there in Luke, it tells us that he actually accepted that Jesus was, acknowledged that he was the Son of God. He had repentance. He was sorry for his sins. And it's amazing conversion that happened there as he was hanging close to death. And there, Jesus' reply to him was, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Or, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this is a point that we often make out in, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church because a lot of people believe, uh, well, when you die, you go straight to heaven. Now, this is not a study on that, but I just want to point out how quickly that, that one comma was not in the original Greek, of course. And if we just change that punctuation, and I go to the next sl slide there, it says, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. You know, see how that changes the meaning. You know, Jesus didn't go to paradise that day. Jesus, we know, was in the tomb. He rested on the Sabbath day. He was resurrected on the Sunday. And it's a great biblical truth. 
And if, this, if you, have, you struggle with that or you don't understand it, you know, uh, see Lockie or myself or someone else in the church that can maybe help show you in Scripture how this is a, a very uh, easy-to-show truth, that we can have assurance when we die that we rest until Jesus comes again. And another thing I want to point out is this thief that died. You know, and people think, well, it's just not fair. He got to, to you know, live his life like he wanted, and then he was saved. Man, why do you think he was hanging on that cross? He was a thief. You know, do you think he was, his life would have been different if he accepted Jesus long before? He would have been on that cross. He would have been out sharing the good news. He would have been living a spirit-filled life. So don't fall to the trap to somehow thinking that we're a Christian, we're giving up good things. You're only giving up the bad. God wants what's best for you. And as Christians, as we, were, as we understand that all we need to do is surrender and accept him, that suddenly we're going to have more meaning in our life. He's there to help us in our daily life. We're not going to be giving up anything. So it was the only unfairness here is that he actually didn't get to experience a better life on this earth, and he only gets the reward of heaven. God says, I want to give you the reward of a better life here on this earth and heaven if you'll commit to me today. And so today, I want to challenge you to make a commitment to Jesus. There's many different pathways that you can make a commitment to Jesus or become part of this church, and we just want to show you a couple of those today. We've talked about baptism a lot. We have a baptism this afternoon, and I'd like to invite Lucky and Bella up now, and while they're coming up, I want to just share with you also another way that you can come in this church. If you're baptized already into another church, you were baptized by immersion, you can still join our church. You can just make a profession of faith, and you can become part of our family. We'd love for you to be part of our family. We love our family. It doesn't mean that we always get along. We have issues sometimes, but ultimately, we forgive, and we move on, and we work together, and that's good news. And so I'd like to also invite Will. Now, Will, you've seen around this morning, he's been serving as one of the logistics um, man. On, uh, so he was here very early this morning, unlocking the place and getting the church ready, and he's been serving in many ways. And um, Will today wants to uh, become a member of our church, and he's going to do it by profession of faith, because he's already been baptized. I think we figured out it was about 1991, Will, that you were baptized. And so that's really awesome. And so I'm just going to turn it over to to Lockie now, who's going to just share um, a bit with Bella and also the vows of these two. 